0: Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. And he said, but Dad, I know what the answer is to whatever people are going on, whether they're going through good times and have got great aspirations or whether they're sinking in life the answer is always Jesus, yeah. it's always a person, and, um, and so Christmas is about a person, it's about Jesus, and you know, we've got, uh, here comes Santa Claus, here comes, Santa. who the hell's Santa Claus, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Santa, it's an anagram of Satan, I'll leave it with you, <laughs> it's a joke, it's a joke, it's going, yes, I've been sensing that myself, I've been, it's a joke, it's a joke. <laughs> We once did Santa's Grotto, and one of the lads spelt it Satan. Satan is dyslexic. Anyway, I've worked with all sorts. Salvation. God's way of salvaging individual lives, and then collectively communities and nations. But salvation is really salvaging. God wants to salvage our lives and restore it to what he originally intended, which was Adam and Eve walking around the garden with nothing on. I can't wait can't wait you missed that you missed it restoring us back to the original where we're in touch with god and we're in touch with each other yeah and so that's that's the end end goal for every human being god is going to restore us back to the original and we're, we're in that restoration uh, process those that are, are, are believers this morning so salvation People think you've got to earn it, you've got to do this, that and the other, but salvation's not about trying, it's about trusting. We simply have to trust, but I'll come on to that later on. So, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That's, that is what was the Christmas message. It wasn't about other sorts of presents. This is God's present from us. The most significant present that you can get. So, he's going to save his people from the sins. Question, have you been saved from your sins? What's the greatest sin on earth? We've heard some drastic stuff on television recently. Uh, you know, about... Uh, anyway, I don't even want to talk about it in church. It's just, just awful. Awful. The lowest of a man's sinful nature. The lowest of the law. And uh, you say, yeah, it's terrible is that. And I want you to know today, you don't know how bad you could be. And neither do I. You don't know how, how bad sin is in your heart because you've kept, it, you've kept on top of it, a lot of it a lot of the time, when you've resisted to do nasty things. Who's ever resisted swearing at someone? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Most of the global church are going, no, nah, no, nah, I haven't got that one yet. <laughs> Who's ever resisted smacking someone it knows when you've really wanted to? Who's ever resisted smacking someone it knows because you might lose your job? Yep. See, that's, that's smart. That's smart. But it's there, isn't it? Yeah. But you don't know what you would do in your lowest times, and in your what, what sin? Sin is such a powerful deception in our lives. It's an awful thing, and uh, you know we've just seen you know like this this weekend. When people give their lives to Jesus, it's not it's not about sins like drunkenness, or or immorality, or sexual sin, or whatever. It's about ignoring God. When you reject Jesus then you reject god almighty so that's that's the greatest sin because that's the sin that will drag people to the result of sins the, the, the wages of sin is death so so ultimately we will not make heaven people who don't believe in god don't go to heaven did you know that you know some people think well we're all going to get there because god's so loving god is so loving he's more loving than you and i will ever know but he's also a just god And he can't ignore sin, he can't wink at it. The Bible says, in the past he has winked at our sins, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent of their sins. That wink means he had something planned that was going to deal with the sin. In the Old Testament, they look forward to the Messiah coming. We, after Jesus uh, has been to planet Earth, we look back to what he's done for us. And in both cases, we look by faith and are made right by God. By faith, not by good things that we've done or anything. And so we look forward to the Old Testament look forward to to the Messiah, and they believe that one day, someday, the Messiah would make them right with God. And and God, because of that faith and that belief, God made them right, right then and there. Abraham was called a friend of God, and he lived 2,000 years before Jesus came. He He believed God and he was made righteous, it says, it was justified. And then we look back and all our sins, we look and we say, oh, it was all placed on Jesus. And the trick is, here's the trick. Does I want to know what the trick is to get eternal life? It's a trick, right? Here's the trick. You've just got to believe that what Jesus did on the cross he's done it for you. And if you believe you're living the good of it it comes to your heart. If you don't believe it doesn't. When you're hiding your heart to God you just close the door. And even God can't get in because the handle's on the inside. He said, where do you get this from? Pharaoh. God gave Pharaoh 10 chances. To change his ways. And after the seventh time. He kept saying. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh, seven times God gave him chances. To change his ways. And go in God's way. And he hardened his heart. And on the seventh one. After the seventh. Because seventh is completeness. It's perfection. He had completely. Perfectly. Hardened his heart towards God. And then it says on the next one. God hardened Pharaoh's heart what did God do he said you don't want it I'll just confirm it and now he can't be saved that's it he's been hiding for too long he's hardened it himself and God said I'll just confirm that and he was totally lost because he wouldn't believe so when Jesus comes and he's come to save us from our sins this is God's chance for the human race and I want to say today We've got to grab hold of that. You know, if I were on television wearing a suit, and I was on television a lot, more than Anton Deck and all that lot, but I was speaking seriously like this, you know, people going, oh, it's that Dave Shore now, and I'm, you're on television, it's like, then people would say, you've just got to watch this, because, you know, News at 10, another bulletin from, from Dave Shore, the Reverend, the right Reverend, okay. Bishop, Archangel Dave, is here, <laughs> right? So, Dave, what, what do you reckon, just saying... The whole world's missing it. Yes, but Dave, there's not that many people go to church. It's, it's really for like, you know, old grannies that drink tea and eat cucumber sandwiches. It's really not for men, especially not firefighters and people like that that save people's lives. Say, it's for everybody and you're missing it and everybody's missing it. And if it were in all newspapers, you need to listen to Dave Shore. This is really, really important. Can, you see, and that's how important it is. And I'm still here in York and most people are in bed. You know what I'm saying? And we're here and we're like, yeah, when's coffee? But this is really important. Yeah. I'm a messenger from God. Yeah. I, didn't come, I didn't come from ever. I come from Darwin. We all know that. <laughs> I'm a messenger from God. Every evangelist is a messenger. And then we train the church to become messengers. Yeah. Just to say to the friend, have you heard the news? It's good news. Yeah. But we've got to do it in a way that they can understand. If you say you go to well, if you don't believe, they're never going to listen to you. First of all, they've got to see that you're credible and that you actually care for them. And there's a way, and God works through relationship networks. Yeah, That's why we have parties with a purpose. Invite your friends. What we have is infighting sometimes, saying, it's your turn to cook. <laughs> Miss the point. Sack the food. Go and get the people. Go chippy. If all, you know, if, it's, if we're all busy, go chippy, go Chinese. And then say to everybody, oh, it were hard, we were a slog tonight. Get some of your old photographs out and redo them. Anyway, that's my introduction. You know my introductions are terrible because they'll last for a whole talk and I've only got today and I've got 800 points, Georgia. Can you manage 800 points? Eh? Here we go. Jesus came to save you from yourself. Did you know that? You see, if I can be blunt, people are the source of most of the problems. I haven't come to find friends this morning, but I am being honest, yeah? And it made me laugh when people become Christians, and it's always the devil. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not overcome you. Yeah. The gates. What's to be frightened of with the gate? Well, when I was a kid, I was put in a room, and there were a gate there, and I've got a phobia. We get shut up, shut up. Just gates. But we have like devils all over so it. Like they're all powerful, and they're, oh, it must be the devil. Something goes wrong, it must be the devil. Must it? Must it, Really? Track your actions back and see what's going on, yeah? Yeah. Even other people cause us problems. Our natural response uh, often makes things worse. We trip ourselves up far more than we realize or would like to admit. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll admit that you have habits you can't break, thoughts you don't want, emotions you don't like. Insecurities and fears you can't hide. And regrets and and resentments you can't let go of. And you say things that you wish you'd never said. Anybody in this camp this morning? Well well, Dave, actually I used to be, but now I'm a Christian. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Frankly, you are the problem. Just nudge somebody and say, I think he's speaking to you. (laughs) Frankly, you are the problem. With you. You're the problem. With you. For change to happen... It must start in the heart. Yeah? yeah? We're all born with the eye problem. Uh, we are by nature self-centered. Uh, you know, I say often that you don't have to teach a child how to do wrong. You only have to teach a child how to do good. Doing bad comes naturally. If people were naturally unselfish, do you know what? There would, be, there would never be any conflict Never any divorce, never any abuse, never any greed, crime, gossip or war on earth. And it makes me laugh as people put us down and then they're shocked about a paedophile who's done what he's done and just been caught. And they're shocked. And I'm saying, but I've got the answer to that. And they're saying, you're irrelevant. I think I'm very relevant. I think global's very relevant. We have something to say and we don't even have to say a lot. I only do that because I'm paid. (laughs) Padding it out. We don't have to say a lot. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. We used to sing a song. Jesus is the answer. And He's the answer to all the problems, the conflict in Syria and Israel and Palestine. Jesus is the answer. The answer to the wall, we're going to build that wall. The answer to to all that conflict in America is Jesus. He's powerful what we've got, but it's been packaged in such a poor way. Over the centuries. And we've got to learn to repackage it. Sure. I know some of you Gospels might think, well, we don't have to package anything because God's big enough. And even God had to become a human being. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He had to package it. Because yeah. He'd sent His prophets. He'd spoke from heaven, even. People heard a voice. They saw the mountain shake and smoke with fire when God spoke in the Old Testament. So God's done all that. But fear only lasts a little while. But God came in love. And he came to change men and women's arts. And you know, that is, Jesus is the answer. We are sat on the answer for all the ills of society. No divorce. Absolutely no divorce. There wouldn't be one single divorce if Jesus is the king of people's lives. Not one. You said, well, there might be. No, 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 not one. There wouldn't be one. Think about it. Honestly, I'm thinking logically this morning. There There wouldn't be one. There wouldn't be one, one parent family. There wouldn't be one. Unless somebody had died. Our natural inclination is to want our own way instead of God's way. And this tendency to make wrong choices instead of right ones is called sin. The middle letter of sin is I. And whenever I place myself at the centre of my life, I sin. You know, sin is our greatest problem and it's universal. It's right across the board. You and I sin every day with our, our words, our thoughts and our actions. And the Bible says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Nobody's perfect. No one has got a perfect record. God says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God or God's standards. Every one of us. That's why we can't look down our noses at other people and think, well, oh, I would never do that. No, you probably wouldn't, but maybe they would never think some of your thoughts, now they. Can you see how we are? People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And when you've been a Christian a while, you want to do that because you get frustrated. I get frustrated with people making bad choices. I want to come and make them choices for them. Yeah. He so said, What a control freak. No, that's just natural. That's being kind. And then it comes to me making bad choices, and I don't want anybody else coming. And... <laughs> Can you see what I'm saying? What's worse is that, is that sin is habit forming. You know, the Bible says if we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. That's strong, but that's in one of John's letters. Sin is habit forming. The more we do it, the easier it gets. If you've ever tried to break an addiction or maintain a diet, keep a New Year's resolution or change your life by willpower alone, you know how frustrating it is. You know that when you resist a piece of cake when you're on a diet, you're stronger the next time. But the moment you give in, you think, "Well, I had one this morning. I might as well. I've blown it today, and you, ooh, you might as well go for it for the rest of the day." And then you say, "Tomorrow, I'm really going to be on it." And tomorrow, you think, "Chatty, I've got a cold. <laughs> I think what I need is a custard tart. <laughs> Get our thinking lined up properly for that custard tart." Anyway, <laughs> just giving you a glimpse into my world. Most of us can, uh, uh, can identify with the Apostle Paul's frustration, who was a brilliant disciplinarian on his own life. But even he said this, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do uh, sorry, I do what I don't want to, what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong. Anybody get that? I, knew, I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong. And my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I am breaking. But I can't help myself. Anybody get that? The good I would, I don't do. The bad I find myself doing. He goes on to say, who will save me from this body of death? I thank God for Jesus Christ. That's what he says. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Our actions, both conscious and unconscious, shout out, I don't need God. I want to run my own life and I want to be my own God. I think I know what's best for me more than God does. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. You know, AJ won last night, didn't he? Anthony Joshua. Mm. He won. And the pundits, they'll be saying, oh, right, we're a boring fight, we're a boring fight. But the smart people would say, wow, he did really well. He just danced around the ring, pop, pop, pop. And what was he doing? Was he doing what he felt like he, like he wanted to do? Well, when he got in some of the clinches... With the other guy, and the other guy hit him. And it, you know, is there, who's ever been hit in the nose? Yeah. And you go, ow. I'd never make a good boxer. My gum shield would keep coming out. I'd be going, ow. Yeah. <laughs> ow. <laughs> <My neck. laughs> so when that happens, you, when you're hurt, your natural reaction is to go and to steam in. That's how boxers first start before they get trained. And they have to harness all that energy. So AJ doesn't do what he wants to do. He does what he's been trained to do and what his corner tells him to do. In his last fight where he lost it, he was going back to the corner and saying, what do I do, what do I do? He's totally lost the game. And they were telling him what to do. This is the style you need to, to, to set when you go back out. But he were all over the shot and he lost. But last night, he listened to his training and he listened to his corner. He didn't do what he felt like doing. Anybody feel like retaliating this Christmas on somebody? Anybody feel like yeah? Anybody feel like not retaliating on somebody or partying so hard because you're so under, you've been under so much pressure and such, you've worked so hard this year that you're gonna have that big blowout this Christmas? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> I'll see him built more anyway. <laughs> so can you see how we build stuff up instead of doing? Who's ever got drunk and you know before you go out if you get drunk you're gonna be ill the day after. Yeah. Don't put your hand up and incriminate yourself. But we still do it, yeah? And then the day after, you think, oh, I feel so rough. Duh. There is a scripture in Hebrews that says that, we've been, that people have trained themselves in righteousness. And when you become a Christian, when in your 20s or 30s, it's a bit late. And 40s, well, it's never too late, so that's brilliant. But now you have to train yourself in righteousness in living right and some things we've trained ourselves in righteousness before we become christians there's some things we don't do maybe you never get drunk you don't sleep around you don't do not you have trained yourself no that's that's not good that's not good for me it's not good for others and you've trained yourself and that's brilliant but we have to learn to train ourselves and in a society that says anything goes the more and more people that have not trained themselves children's work is vital it's not important it's vital because from a yo- young age, you don't just save a soul when you save a child, you save a life. And then they learn to be trained in righteousness. righteousness no, that's that's good. That's not good. That's right. That's wrong. And you say, well, I think you're meddling with kids' minds. And who isn't? Yeah. And who isn't? Well, you're brainwashed. At least I know who's washing it. Yeah. I've been accused of also, it's all sorts. All, 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 you know, going into schools, you're brainwashing the children. You, 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 you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, yeah, but... What I'm doing, what I'm saying is good for them. They call it repressive. I'm saying restrain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, the flip side of it is somebody else is going in saying, yeah, it's okay. You can be gender fluid if you want. Well, if you want to be confused, become gender fluid. If you want to be depressed, become gender fluid. If you want 20 years knocking off your life, become gender fluid and follow through with a, well, not gender fluid, but but, uh, have the operation to change sex because the tablets you have to take afterwards take 20 years off your life they never tell you that 20 years off your life they never tell you that i'm not having a go at nobody i'm trying to say find the answer to all the problems yeah. why do you want to be gender fluid because i'm confused exactly let's deal with the confusion yeah you know, i understand some people are like borderline you know when I were at school I, you know i saw lads fighting i think i am a girl then I went to secondary school and I saw girls fighting. I'm thinking, I don't know what I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly weren't genderfully honest. <laughs> anyway, I am a moose. <laughs> Let's get going. Let's get going. <laughs> the attitude of prideful self-will causes us to be disconnected from God. And that's why we feel distant from Him. This focus on self is why we feel that God is a million miles away. And that our prayers are just bouncing off a ceiling. You feel far from God, but guess who's moved? Us. When you feel far from God, it's because you've violated your conscience. You've violated something in God's Word. That's all it is. He said, well, I feel really condemned now. <laughs> we all do it. What I'm saying is I'm calling you back. Calling what? God's Word, God's way. I'm calling you back to His way, not yours. And we have to train ourselves in living right, doing the right thing, even though it doesn't feel good. Yeah? Right, where we go. Are we ready? I'm going to go on to my second point. Just, just to say on that last point, when we live by our feelings, when we live by our self-will and ignore God's, God's ways, it causes us to act in ways that create guilt, shame, resentment, and regret. And, and we were never meant to live disconnected from God. But the answer is getting reconnected. And then after that, you start to live the life you make mistakes. Self-will still pops its head up now and again. And you feel regret, but at least you know where to take it now. You're not carrying the baggage around with you. You've let it go once at the cross. Now you know where to take it. We take it back to the cross. Yeah. Not a cross, not a wooden cross. I'm speaking metaphorically. We take it back to where it was dealt with. Yeah. We take it back to Jesus. We give it to Jesus. I'm not studying. One of the hardest things to be a church leader is, is that when you're preaching, people think, they've got their act together. Well, to some extent, you have to have if you're a leader. Otherwise, people don't follow you. But nobody's perfect. And I'm not perfect. And I never claim to be perfect. But the point is, is that till my dying day, I'll be speaking to, I'll be pointing to perfection. At some point in life, I want to say that Jesus came to save us from our sins, self and our waywardness. But he, he came to save us for a purpose. We have a purpose with God. That's where you find Significance. That's where you find satisfaction is in the purpose. There's nothing greater than serving God's purposes. It says about King David, he served God's purposes in his generation. Yeah. And when I was a young kid, I, I heard that, that scripture and I said, I'm going to serve God's purposes in my generation. And I've done so. And I've wanted to give up like everybody else. I've wanted to, to just chuck the towel in and stuff. I have chucked the towel in, but there's nobody, there's nobody else in <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> You're on your. I was going to pick my own towel up, dust myself down, and get going. That's not exactly true. I'll tell you why. Because I have a group of friends that are called church. And they come and say, Oh, we're doing this today, and i sharing my faith with this person. And all of a sudden, life and energy starts to kick in in me because I've heard somebody else, Well, I've got a promotion today. I've been praying about this. It starts to kick in again. And then I do this. What's that called? Wobbling my head the head gets wobbled and all of a sudden you're like yeah it's like God loves you does he? you know he loves you Dave I oh, know he does you were born for greater than this do you think so? come on Dave you know it yes I know it come on Dave I love it we're saved for a purpose the first question that needs to be asked is why am I alive? and maybe you've never found the purpose that God's got for you in life you've heard the gospel but it's not become real to you When it becomes real to you, the light goes on. Honestly, the light goes on. And okay, there might not be too many new roads maybe, but when the lights go on, you think, wow, I've walked in darkness. I thought I were in the light. And all of a sudden, your understanding of life and and people and things just becomes on fire. It's amazing. The second question in life is significance. It's about significance, not existence. Uh, Does my life matter? Is my life significant? Does it really matter? And that's a massive question for people who are depressed. Does my life matter? They come to the equation, they say no it doesn't, then they top themselves. Can you see why I should be on television and some of you should be on television or YouTube or Flopian tube? Whatever, whatever we need to be on, get us on. Get us on. Why? Because this message is relevant at every area of life, suicides will go down if people believed in Jesus Christ. They would. This is an amazing message. It's positive, positive. and we've looked at the most negative bit at the beginning—that we've sinned. That's you know we have to take that and you think, well, that's bad. Now I'm coming on to the good news. Can anybody get a bit of good news this morning? And then the third question is a question of intention. What is my purpose? Why am I alive? Why am I alive? Does my life matter? What is my purpose? God never created anything without purpose. It says this, Long before He laid down earth's foundation, God had us in mind. Had settled on us as the focus of His love. But do you know what? We've been derailed. I've just been talking about this. We've been derailed from God's will. To do in our own will. Like a train that comes off its tracks. And this morning I'm trying to put us all. Back on the tracks. Yeah. We've all gone astray. The Bible says. We are like sheep. That have wandered off. And gotten lost. We've all done our own thing. Gone our own way. And God has piled. All our sins. Everything we've done wrong. On Jesus. So good. Although God created us for a purpose. We've all taken many detours in life thinking we knew better and um, that first Christmas when Jesus was born he was God's answer to our waywardness so when we believe him the sins are removed the shutters have gone off our eyes and now we can see that there is a God and now we need to change in light of that but we can't change on our own we need his help God has got a purpose for us. God creates you, He shapes you, He gifts you, and He calls you, and He saves you for a purpose. We're not just saved from sin, we're saved for God's purposes. See, the ones negative in one sense, saved from sin. So, what do we do once we're saved from sin? Because God's got a purpose for us. It's like He cleans us up, He gets us ready. He equips us, and He's created you, and He's shaped you, and He's gifted you. You know, you are unique. We talk about snowflakes. there's never one the same. And we're not snowflakes, but there's nobody like you. You know, there's similarities and stuff, but there's nobody like you. There's nobody like me. Nobody can do what God has planned for you to do. Nobody else in the past, present, or future can do what God's called you to do. We might all be doing a similar thing, but it needs everybody. You know, when you're building a ship, you might have a load of riveters. If you don't know what rivets are, I doesn't worry. It's just a job that you had to do. Loads of riveters, putting, putting the steel bits on, right? Stopping it from sinking and all that. Might have been a load. But you know what? Each one is an individual and each one is called to do that job. Yeah. But you know, you'll do it your way and you'll bring to the mix the atmosphere that you'll bring. It says this in the Bible. Give yourselves completely to God. What Chance was saying earlier. Give yourselves completely to God. Every part of you. For you are back from death. Sin is death. For you are back from death. And you want to be tools in the hands of God. To be used for His good purposes. And honestly when you're used by God. There's no greater thrill. There is no greater thrill. In a book that we'll be looking at in the coming weeks is called The Purpose Driven Life. It's a great book. We've been through it as a church before, but I want us to go through it regularly. You get more as you, as you use that book. But it explains that we live at three levels. Survival, success, or significance. And most of the world lives at the survival level. Half of our, the six billion people on earth live on less than uh, a couple of quid a day. Over one billion live on less than one pound a day. Over a billion on that survival level. If you live in the West, you live at the success level, even if you feel poor. Most of the world would love to have our problems, but success doesn't satisfy. You can have a lot to live on and still have nothing to live for. You can be busy making a living that you fail to make a life. So busy at making a living that you fail to make a life. You were made for more than success, and so were I. You were created for significance. But you'll never find significance in possessions, pleasures, or positions. Significance comes from serving. Giving your life away for a purpose greater than yourself. And as t- two teenagers, me and Shelley, we decided we were going to give our life to serving God's purposes on planet Earth. And you say, well, that's what makes you a minister. No, 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 that's what every Christian That's the thought that every Christian should have. I'm here for him. And once that happens, you start to find there's blessing in there. There's great things in there. It is totally, totally amazing. The Bible says this, Jesus said, If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. He also said, The greatest amongst you is the one who serves. I want to finish with my last point. Can we just take one little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. Can we just say that a bit louder and I feel a little bit better? Yeah. There we are. There we are. I'm, I'll buy all the coffees afterwards. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Jesus came to save us from our sin. He came to save us for the purpose that God had for us. And He came to save us how? By His grace by his essential goodness in practically every area of life school sports work we are judged by our performance the work ethic is built on effort sweat competition and hard work growing up we are taught that there's no such thing as a free lunch you get what you pay for if it's to be it's up to me if you want something done right do it yourself And God helps those who helps themselves. That is the kind of work ethic of the Western world. So when it comes to God, many assume that God relates to us on that same performance-based ethic. You may feel that you have to earn God's approval, or deserve God's love, or work your way to heaven by doing good, or trying to be perfect. If you've thought that, I've really got good news for you. That's not how it works at all in the kingdom of heaven. Here's what the Bible says about what you must do to be saved. People came to Jesus in John's Gospel and they asked, What are the things that God wants us to do? Jesus answered and he said, The work God wants you to do is this believe in the one he has sent. Question today Do you believe in the one that he has sent? Salvation is not a matter of trying, but of trusting. It's not a matter of proving you deserve it, but accepting it by faith, knowing that you don't deserve it. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve forgiveness. I've hurt people in my life. I've deceived people in my life. I've lied through my back teeth. I've broken this world's laws. You know, it took one policeman to arrest 10 of us. That's how tough we were. But nevertheless, I got caught. (laughs) What was I doing? Kung fu on a wooden fence. Anyway, I'll leave it with you. We were were desperados. The idea of grace is so foreign to people. But the Bible talks about the free gift of God's grace. When I talk about God's grace, that God wants to forgive you and delete all your sins, there's a mental disconnect and an emotional disconnect. We're so used to receiving conditional love. I'll love you if... Or I love you because, even this, i love you if you love me. You know, What I love about Shelley is she loves me regardless of whether I love her. It's fantastic. That's how you get the washing done. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely liberating, honestly. Because I thought she loved me because I loved her. That's normal, yeah? But I found over 30 odd years that she actually loves me because she loves me. And I know that if she could articulate it, she said, no, to do with you. <laughs> She's funny. Religion is man's attempt to please God. Grace is God reaching down to man. Every religion, every religion boils down to one word, do. This is what you have to do. Do our list of things and you will learn God's love. Each religion has its own unique list of rules. And if you compare the list, you'll discover that they often contradict each other. Hindus contradict Sikhs, Sikhs, who contradict uh, Muslims, who contradict whoever, Jews. Christianity is not a religion. Funnily enough, it isn't. It's it's way above any religion. Way, 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 way above. It sounds arrogant, but you've got to look into it for yourself to find out. It's It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's totally different. But the big idea behind all religions is that you must work, strive, and put put out great effort in order to get God to like you. Yeah. So God came to earth as Jesus essentially to say, "You've got it wrong. Doing good matters. We know that, but it doesn't pay for your salvation." Jesus wanted you to know and me to know that God's love is unlimited and undeserved. It's unconditional and it's unchanging. So Jesus wants to teach us a new concept called grace. You can't buy it, you can't work for it, and you can't be good enough to earn it. It's a gift that will cost me a lot, Jesus was saying, but it's free for you. It's not cheap, it costs Jesus his life, but it's free for us. Everything I do, I do it for you. There's a quote. While religions are based on the word do, salvation is based on the word done. When Jesus died on the cross He used a phrase Well it's only one word He said It is finished And it's a, in the Hebrew word It's just one word And it means paid in full Or paid But meaning paid in full And it was stamped on a bill That had been paid off And the words were stamped On a, a prison sentence That had been completed It's paid It's done And Jesus at the cross Used that phrase And He says It's done It's finished Your salvation if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be, have this power of sin broken on your life, the power of Satan broken on your life, so that you can live a complete life, this life. If you want that going into heaven, if you want eternal life starting now, I've paid the price. Yeah. Yeah. So what do I do? Just believe. No, I must have to do something. Climb a ladder. You know, do something. No, it's free. Just believe. Yeah. What stops you from believing? Sin. Yeah. It's powerful, this sin. We need help to believe. We think we're smart when we don't believe. We think we're sophisticated. No, we're not. We're dumb. We are absolutely dumb. And, and you know, when, when I first heard the gospel, I'm thinking, well, how is this going to look to me, mates? I don't give a toss now. When you understand it, you're thinking, oh, I want, I want everybody to know. This is amazing. Paid in full. Religion says do. Jesus says done. And my last scripture is this. It's one of my favorites. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, The Bible says, It is by grace you have been saved from your sin. Through faith. This not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. Notice that your Christmas gift from God comes by grace through faith. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense made available to us. Faith is where we hook up. When you have faith in Jesus... Life changes so much. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.